And welcome back to the latest greatest episode of the Shaving Points Podcast. My name is Jaden May. You can find me on Twitter at jmay56. Joined today, as always, by my co-host, Quentin Crisco. How are we doing tonight, Quentin? Fired up, Jay. Fired up to get some winners. Fired but up. First of all, my name is Quentin Crisco. You can find me on Twitter at Stats. You can find the podcast account on Twitter at shaving underscore points. That's PTS underscore pod. We're on all the social medias. Go check out our website, shaving-points.com. All types of fire gear and content up there 24-7 all the time. And we're going to get you guys some winners this week. Let's go. We are going to get some winners. So last week I had all the winners except one. Then my two losers weren't really losers. They were just losers by circumstance. So I lost Tampa Bay plus one and a half. That was one of the worst losses of my life. Tampa Bay was doing everything they could to lose that game. They they absolutely refused to score points in that game. They they just they didn't they, they didn't want to win. Nope. Should have won. Should have won. They didn't win. <laughs> then Carolina Moneyline, PJ Walker, throws a bomb, DJ Moore, touchdown, tie game. Eddie Pinheiro, Bears legend, just got to go out there, kick an extra point, misses the extra point. Overtime comes around, no problem. Carolina goes out there, gets interception. Eddie Pinheiro goes back out there, 37-yard field goal to win the game, misses it, and Atlanta wins. Bad beat, bad beat. And then I had the over in Tennessee bad versus beat Houston. on both sides because yeah. I had Atlanta minus four and a half. They were up by seven with 30 seconds left. And then PJ Walker unleashes a 60 yard touchdown bomb and they end up winning by three. Well, that's great for them, but three doesn't cover four and a half. No, it doesn't. It does not. So yeah, that's brutal. As soon as it went to overtime and yeah, that's, that's a bad feeling there. Then you had Chicago plus 10 against my Cowboys. Chicago looked good that game. We'll talk about it probably. We'll talk about it whenever we get into next week's slate more. But yeah, Chicago looked good. I say, I'm convinced that if Micah Parsons' fumble recovery touchdown doesn't happen, the Bears cover this game. I did say last week that the Cowboys defense would be the reason why the Cowboys cover. But I also, when I said that, I thought it was going to be like a 17 to 3 game. <laughs> So hey, uh, I was Moore, wrong. Was, in it, the, was it? Was it? He pulled out all his good stuff last week. Yeah, that looked nothing like the film from the first seven weeks of the year. Yeah, Tony Pollard's looking good. It's the it's the most I've enjoyed out of Tony Pollard in his career, probably because he's always been good coming in as relief, but he, he is notorious for like either getting tackled for negative one yards or breaking a 60 yard touchdown. There's like no one between with him and he ran the ball well all game. Uh, had some long runs as well. Dak, Dak played well. Noah Brown played well. City lamb played well. Oh, just good all around by the Cowboys offense defense. Justin Fields. I don't, I don't know if it was a bad showing by the Cowboys defense or, if Justin Fields is that dude, but like I said, we'll we'll talk more about the Bears offense going forward probably in our next segment. But then you had 
Cincinnati minus three. Bad. So bad pick. Bad pick. That was before we <laughs> knew Jamar Chase was gone. I almost why I almost put a tweet out there saying, Don't do this. If that helps, but I didn't do it because I was like, what's the point? Anyone who listened to me probably already listened to it. So I'll take the elder. They still have Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. It's like... I think it just deflated. It's not like they're just bare. And I mean, and the Browns just did go out there and whack them too. I mean, Jamar Chase obviously makes a big, big difference. But that was one of those games where it's like, I don't think the Browns were losing that game. Yeah. Probably. I mean, I'm taking the L on it, so... Yeah. Oh, well. And then, yeah, I mean, that was our slate from last week. I'm up 1.6 units with that. You were down 0.32 so the week. This was the first time all year I've had two losing weeks in a row. And I'm here to tell you right now that this atrocity that means we're about will not to explode. stand. It will not we're about stand. We're to go up, 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 up. I will go without sleep to find winners because I do not like this. I, I'm feeling find like anywhere. Find this is anywhere how Tom everywhere. Brady feels right now in Tampa. He's just like ripping his hair out because they're losing. He's like, I need winners. Yeah. No, me. I mean, yeah, it's a rough, rough week. I should have, I should have been at minimum six and one, but it is what it is. Or, uh, Six and two, I mean, but it is what it is. Moving on, did you? So you didn't catch much of the free agency madness today. Yeah, I was keeping up with it here and there, but I didn't like watch it close. Uh, so there, there is more deals that happened that we're probably not going to talk about. Lesser deals, but yeah, we're going to we're going to hit on some like, of the big names. Um, and I, I think. The biggest deal, in my opinion, for a team trying to compete in a conference that is so top-heavy is the Dolphins going out and getting another proven running back, getting rid of Chase Edmonds, who's been hot garbage for him all year. They go out and get Jeff Wilson Jr. And then they also go out and get a premier pass rusher in Bradley Chubb to All pair with. Edge. Yeah. Like He's just a good Yeah. Just, just a premier player at his position that they're going to extend and give him long-term deal. But yeah, Dolphins going out and get some running back depth who already have one of the scariest wide receiver rooms in the NFL, adding another running back. Mostert's been looking really good for him. Jeff Wilson. Same type of system coming from San Francisco down to Miami, and that Mike McDaniel system, that and that Shanahan system. So, I think I think both of these moves, Bradley Chubb's the big name, but I think Jeff Wilson's like a very sneaky, like underrated, like very very good move for them. Yeah, I mean, I've been looking at their roster because they play the Bears this week. And so I'm just getting my game preview article ready and like going through the early steps of it and looking at it, it's, it was kind of like, man, Mostert does not have the best injury history. And if all you're left with is Chase Edmonds, you're going to be feeling pretty, like you're going to regret it. And that, it was, that was a big, big addition for them because now they have that depth there. And he already knows the system. He's familiar with Mike McDaniel. And I mean, he, 
Jeff Wilson is a solid running back. He's 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 not great, but I mean, that's what you need in the NFL is just somebody who can get you five to seven yards when you need it here and there. He also has the ability to break out for a big play. But, I mean, he's just a good, reliable running back who knows the system. I mean, it's to me, that's, yeah. a, that's a slam dunk. And Bradley Chubb is like a grand slam. Yeah. Like, two awesome moves. But we'll go to another one that probably one of the biggest surprises, to me at least, was the Lions moving on from TJ Hawkinson. We were talking about it a little bit before the pod. But what the Lions gave up to trade him is more shocking. If, if they would have just traded him and received nothing but assets, it'd be like, okay, they're moving on from a, a young, promising guy who's looked good, who showed flashes. I know you don't like him, but as far as tight ends go in the NFL, I mean, in my opinion, he's, he's in that top three of tier two guys. So if you have Kelsey on his own, if, if Kelsey's not, you can't even put Kelsey in a tier. So just throw Kelsey out. If you have Mark Andrews as tier one and then everybody else, I think Hawkinson's in, in that top three range, you disagree with me. But I think Hawkinson's a very good player who's shown flashes this season, who's who's played well for the Lions this season. And they give up Hawkinson with a fourth-round pick, a conditional fifth-round pick for a third-round pick in 2023 and a fourth-round pick in 2020 – or uh, a third-round pick in 2022 and a fourth-round pick in 2023. Yeah, and the return me, that, is – That was shocking. The return is shocking. I, like, absolutely. I mean, I've never – I feel like I've always heard... And the Lions had no reason to sell. Yeah. Well, I feel I feel like I've always heard how good TJ Hawkinson is, but I've never seen how good he is, if that makes sense. I watched a lot of Lions. I mean he 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 looked good last week. He he looked I mean, he's looked good three or four games this season, like very, very good. And when you look at that Lions offense, like Monroe St. Brown's just now starting to get healthy again. Uh DeAndre Swift's just now coming back. And it's like TJ Hawkinson kinda did a decent job of like filling a little bit of that role. And so you would think like he would get better when these guys come back and he had a good game yesterday or Sunday. And, and then they kind of trade him for nothing. And I don't know. He was a first round pick. Maybe they just didn't see him in the long-term future. How, how much just, better is Hawkinson than Dalton Schultz? I would put Dalton Schultz the tier below Hawkinson, but tight ends are, I mean, you're, yeah, that's, I mean, you're that's really hairs. what I'm getting at though. Like, I don't think he differentiates himself from the middle of the pack I, enough for but me I'm not that saying, I feel like I, he's now granted not, his, the return here is crap. I agree that's what, that. that's what I'm saying. I'm like, you, you, it, it was just one of those things where, they didn't have to trade him. He's he's a yeah. good teammate. People like him. He's a good locker room guy. And he does well enough for you that it it's makes, like... It makes you wonder if something happened behind the scenes, if I'm being honest. It seems like they got him out of there because they needed to, not because they had a real reason to. Yeah. And uh, some 
some lions. There's some weird shit going on in Detroit right now. Cause like, some they just fired guys their DB coach too. Yeah, some lions Twitter guys were saying this has been rumored for a couple of weeks, but like nobody believed it. So it's like maybe there were some rumblings like deep in Detroit media that the mainstream just never heard about. But to me, it was just shocking. Like it didn't make sense. The return didn't make sense. It wasn't somebody you had to move. It wasn't like it wasn't somebody you needed out of the locker room. You're a young building team. You're most likely going to pick a quarterback next year, a good young quarterback. And the best asset for a good, good young quarterback is a reliable tight end. And if TJ Hawkinson is nothing else, I feel like he's a reliable enough tight end for a good young quarterback. I mean, when it, I mean, there's not a whole lot of good tight ends in the league. Man. Is he playing on his fifth year option right now? He's got to be close to it if he's not. No, he was the same year. When was he drafted? He was, was same he year as Noah Fant. Him and Noah Fant came out in the same draft, both out of Iowa. So Was it 18 or 19, though? Either way. If it was, I mean, he wouldn't be on his fifth-year option out of either one of those Again, years. I'm looking it up. 2019. So then he decided on his fifth-year option at the end of this year, and they were probably going to turn it down. That's the only logical thing. He was that's a top-ten pick. Him, that that fifth-year option would be expensive. Yeah. But still, I mean, the return, I mean, I don't know, man. It's crap. It's crap. Like, I mean, That's it's good. probably the equivalent. Once once you do the math, it's probably equivalent to like a fourth round pick. They trade him for a fourth round pick, basically. And I mean, just to my estimation, if assuming you're going to take a quarterback, all up CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, one of the two. Just pick up his fifth-year option, and if it doesn't work out, let him go. You have the cap space. You don't. Yeah. And it's not like you're going on a spinning spree this season because you know you don't want to go on a spinning spree on your on your rookie quarterbacks first year. You want to do their. You want to do your spinning spree on a rookie contract like year two or three. Once, year two. Once you know what you have with your rookie quarterback, so. Yeah. The rookie, the rookie's first year is just like, just put him in the best situation to succeed. But we're not gonna, we're not gonna overextend ourselves until we know what we got here. And he's like the perfect puzzle piece for that, in my opinion. So, yeah, the move was shocking to me. Very bizarre. I, I'm starting to wonder if Dan Dan Quinn's gonna be there next year. If like, yeah, I, I don't their, think so. DB coach there's get no fired, way. and now this. It's there, I'm. There's so much it, talent. It feels like there's some bad stuff going on there. There's so much talent there. I mean, and I mean, Dan Quinn basically got the kiss of death when the owner came out and said Dan Quinn's our guy. Anytime the owner has to publicly say our coach is our guy, he's not their guy. Except for Jerry Jones. <sighs> um, moving on. One of the later. <laughs> One of the one of the last trades to happen right at right at the deadline with like two minutes to spare. Naeem Hines to the Bills, Zach Moss to the Colts. I don't think the Zach Moss aspect means anything in this deal, but Naeem Hines to the Bills to complement Singletary. I don't know what's going on with their rookie. Their what's his name? What's his name? Uh, I loved him. Cook. Yeah, James Cook. I don't know what's going on with James Cook. Because James Cook should be better than what Nehemiah is. And he hasn't seen the field this year. 
and it's just been kind of the Singletary show. And Zach Moss has never really done. I, I don't know what the Bills are trying to do with running backs, but they keep taking running backs who look promising, that look like they should be good, that aren't good. So if not him. They see the 49ers doing it and see their success and be like, we want to be like that. But they're taking better running backs <laughs> than the 49ers and then not being able to figure it out. And it's like, yeah. is it a is it a you problem or like are you just missing? Here's like the crazy? thing that I've never really understood. Does James, like, James is Cook Devin Singletary that much of a problem that you need to be replacing him every year? I don't think they're trying to. I think they're trying to compliment him. I don't. I don't know. Maybe they are trying to replace him. I don't know what they're. I trying think they've to been do. trying to replace. I, I, Zach Moss is supposed to be like the new guy there. And yeah, James Zach, Cook was supposed to be the new guy there. And yeah, all this Zach, time, it's like none of them can beat out Devin Singletary because he's a pretty solid running back. Yeah, it, I mean, it it doesn't make sense to me, but Nine Hines is crazy talented. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not a bell cow. So, I mean, this is a, a third down back type of guy. But I think, but then you, I mean, there's only one ball when you look at that offense. You got Isaiah McKenzie, you got Dawson Knox, you got Stephon Diggs, you have Gabriel Davis, you have Devin Singletary, and you have Josh Allen. And it's like, yeah, Naeem Hines is good. He's a, he's a fast, good catching running back. But it's you like, what, where does he fit in? You know what I bet it is? I bet it's pass pro that it keeps these guys off the field. It's got to be. Josh Allen is the only quarterback who has the ball in his hands over 70% of the snaps. But do you need pass protection when you have the biggest guy in the field at quarterback? You, you always need pass protection. <laughs> I know. It's kind of a joke, but is it a joke? I mean, he's, he's bigger than most offensive linemen. Yeah. I mean, if you could clone Josh Allen for pass protection, that would be great. <laughs> he would love it. He would probably Josh Allen would probably enjoy the sport of football more pass protecting for himself than he would throwing the ball seventy five yards. I mean, we I, I guess I gotta do the Josh Allen team versus the Lamar Jackson team and see who comes out on top. That's not a question. Josh Allen would destroy Lamar Jackson. Are you kidding me? I don't think in Madden. I don't think it matters. Probably not. I think Lamar Jackson would win. In real life. A clo- a, a, oh, in real life, yeah. Josh Allen destroys Lamar yeah. Jackson. I mean, Lamar Jackson's not that much faster than Josh Allen. And out, outside of that, it's like Josh Allen has to beat everywhere. But moving yeah. on. Let's see here. Calvin Ridley to the Jaguars, suspended for a year. Before he got suspended, he took the rest of the year off for mental health but before all of that people soon forget he was getting talked about as a top five receiver in the league oh he was he was incredible he's got to be 28 years old 29 years old he was old he was some i don't he's 25 when he got drafted i I don't understand the math but him and amari cooper both went to alabama together amari cooper Get to the league. No, they both. So they both went to Alabama. Amari Cooper got to the league three years before him. And somehow Calvin Ridley is older than Amari Cooper. And that math, no matter how people explain it to me, doesn't make sense to me. It's uh, so Ridley grew up with Eddie Jackson, I'm pretty sure. And Eddie Jackson's the same way. Like he was like 24 when he came out. 
at Bama, but he'd only been there for four years. He spent, I know with Jackson, it's like he spent a year or two at like IMG or some type of post high school program to get himself eligible for D1. I bet it's something along those lines. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I mean, so Cooper, Cooper graduated high school, went three years, and then went to Bama. And they never overlapped at Bama. And somehow Cooper was in the league for three years before Ridley. Because I remember it was the year that the Cowboys traded for Cooper. And Atlanta took Ridley right after the Raiders picked. I think it was Josh Jacobs with the Cowboys pick. And it was like the Cowboys would have taken Calvin Ridley. But yet they're getting a a fourth year receiver and Amari Cooper who is younger than Calvin Ridley, <laughs> yeah, who's already him. proven. And yeah, I mean, still one of the crazy. Anyway, well, that doesn't matter. All that's to say, if Calvin Ridley comes back and he's even half of what he was before, Jaguars got a stud. And he'll be twenty eight next year. I just looked it up. So yeah, Cal- I mean, still fine. Yeah, I mean, Jaguars got a stud. I mean, if he if he. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who's going to be the one there because as much shit as everybody gave Christian Kirk in the offseason, that, that dude looks good. <laughs> like, yeah. That dude looks yeah. good. If you listen to us for fantasy, you didn't overlook him in fantasy. Yeah. I know that. And then let's see here. Your boy, your favorite toy, the one that you knew you weren't going to resign, but he left. It hurts. He was... A Georgia great Roquan Smith you knew it was inevitable Bears weren't going to resign him got something for him headed to the Ravens I love the fit at the Ravens and I love the move for the Bears here it makes sense I mean yeah. get what you can because you're not going to go pay an off-ball linebacker top three position money and for a young rebuild- franchise tag him at the cost of an edge rusher yeah I mean for for what uh, for what the Bears are trying to do, I mean, he he doesn't fit in the the grand scheme of things. And some people yeah. some people say he doesn't fit the system. Some people say he does fit the system. I don't know. I don't watch the Bears, but I do know that if he had he, five tackles against the Cowboys Sunday, I do know that if you're paying a linebacker a shit ton of money when you have a young quarterback and not a good team, it's probably not a very good decision. So. Yeah. Kudos to the Bears. So I can speak on it a little. Um, basically, in in fan, in Vic Fangio's system with the Bears, he was asked, you know, that they, they had a big hulking defensive line that kept him clean, and he was asked to just go make plays a lot of the time. Now they're running, you know, four down linemen, um, two high safety concepts, much more, and really they're much more about speed and on the D line especially. And they asked the linebacker to to play a gap, which means he needs to take on offensive linemen. He needs to be able to stack and shed and get to the running back. And that's just something Roquan is not really built for. He's an outstanding player. I love watching him play, but it's very up and down when you're asking him to stack and shed lockers like that because he's just – guy plays about 230 pounds. It's just a huge weight difference there, huge size, strength difference. Um but that being said, I think he's going to be a really good fit in Baltimore with their defense, and they'll come out looking good in this trade. Now, 
what the Bears did with that. So for Roquan, they got a second and a fifth. And then they traded a second to the Steelers for Chase Claypool. So basically they said, we don't want to pay the linebacker, but we'll pay a wide receiver. They go get a 24-year-old wide receiver out of this and a fifth round pick. They, they had to trade their own second round pick to get Claypool, not the Ravens. So they're they're holding on to the Ravens one now. That that gap. They traded the Ravens for pick. me. No. Are you sure? That was false news. Very. Okay. It was I, fake news. Jeff it came out. They, it was everywhere. We were all happy about it. And then it got rescinded and switched. Oh, that sucks. I thought. But still, yeah, I mean. It's going to be a top 40 pick. But honestly, this gives the Bears so many more options. Because, like, Jay was texting me last night about it, about the draft. And saying, like. You know, maybe they can get Jackson Smith and Jigba, and I'm I'm sitting here going, I'd love to have them, but they need an X wide receiver. You can't you can't you can't put two guys the size of Mooney out there together and expect them to dominate. You need a big guy, a big body too, and that's what you get with Claypool now. So in the draft, you can go with just best best receiver there is. You don't have to worry about the size and the matchup game because you have that already. Yeah, I mean. If the Bears go out and get Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Cole Komet can be anything for them next year, if you have Jackson Smith and Jigba with Claypool, with Mooney, and Cole Komet, that can give you 48 catches for 400 yards. Like, just just that, like, nine-yard safety route or whatever. I mean... Well, I mean, honestly, just getting Claypool in there is going to help, going to help commit. Like, they need to pay more. Claypool is a vertical threat with a body and and body control to catch contested catches, hard catches, whatever it might be. This is going to help Mooney a lot. It's going to help commit a lot. And it's going to help Justin Fields so much. The Justin Fields aspect of this. He wants to throw deep. He Justin, wants to throw deep, and they got a deep ball guy who has never had a quarterback who can throw deep. Like yeah, this, the, I, lo- I love that aspect. It, it's, I mean, it's it's a home run. I mean, there there is a lot of guys that I would rather have over Chase Claypool, but a lot of those guys aren't available right now. That would have been available in the offseason. So it's like, do we do we take our yeah. shot right now and see what we we have a rising star right now who's gone and balled out two weeks in a row against one of the best defensive minds of all time and then one of the best highly skilled defenses in the league today and he goes out and balls out in back-to-back weeks do we wait till the offseason to go get him a weapon that may be better than what we can get now or do we just go get him that weapon and see what he can do with it and they would out and get claypool i mean we were talking about last night like t higgins um Michael Pittman, well, Brandon waited, Cooks, though, like you probably like, you have to give a first to get T Higgins or Pittman or, or like you know I mean that's that's kind of yeah, where it's exactly because the free agent pool set like it's Jacoby Myers and then it's like everyone else are like, do I really want this guy yeah this price no I mean I I think I think this is a home run for the Bears I mean I think it makes sense and like I said I mean there there might have been guys that you would rather have. But if you can get a guy right now that can build chemistry with him right now, you essentially traded you traded back 20 spots and 
Rokon Smith for a fifth round pick to get Claypool. And when you think about it, Rokon Smith wasn't going to be on the team next year. So you went out and got a good young wide receiver, traded back 15 ish spots in the draft, and went out and got a guy that you still have control over for a year and a half that you absolutely do not have to extend at the end of this year, and you still have full control over him next year. So, I mean, you, you have a year and a half before you decide if you want to pay him or not. I, I think that's a they home run. They probably will, though. I think, they probably I think will, that's a- just because they, they need to spend money. They, they you know, yeah. like they're. They're, well, they're, they're not even better. Gonna, they're going to ha- run into an issue of not spending enough money. Even like, better because they could probably sign him for cheaper than if they yeah. wait. And then if he doesn't, if he doesn't work out, it's like well, here's we the, had to spend the money somewhere, so it, it doesn't hurt him. So they can they can go out and give him more money than maybe he's worth right now. Then if he overperforms, you don't have to worry about. Here's where this the, will get really interesting because Darnell Mooney's going to need to get paid too on the same timeline. And I bet you they're going to get Claypool done first. And, I'll, and I, I think that's going to set the bar for if they, Mooney. If they, you know, I don't think they're going to go above what they give for Claypool. If they draft a, if they draft a receiver with their first-round pick, which is most likely going to be a top 10, I would assume Mooney doesn't stick around, and it's going to be Claypool and... Jordan Addison or Jackson Smith and Jigba or somebody else. And I think they let Mooney walk and they either go get somebody else or fill it in with the draft here or there. But if, if you have Claypool opposite so, of a, of a, a rookie wide receiver, I, I, I think you're in, I think you're, you're just fine. I think they're still going to pay Mooney. That's just Justin Fields and him are, two peas in a pod and the bears love him. They love his work ethic. I, th- I think Mooney's going to get paid in Chicago still. Yeah. Um, but one last thing I wanted to mention about Claypool, I haven't fact checked this yet. I'll probably do it tomorrow, but six, four, six foot four plus and runs a, a four, four 40 got um, DK Metcalf. Calvin Johnson and Chase Claypool. That's the list. What about Drake London? Was he four four? Uh, no, he didn't run. He, didn't he run. probably runs a four four. That dude's fast as hell. He might, but he, he didn't run because he had the broken foot. What did uh? How big is Julio Jones? He ran outrageously fast, and he had a broken foot when he did it. You're muted. So yes. six three, six three. I, I just didn't. Want, I just didn't want my mic to be picking up the typing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so we're cutting hairs there. Six three, six four, but yeah. you don't know six four two forty uh, runs a yeah. four four. Yeah. You're bringing up ESPN stats right now. It's like the first person to ever it's a good list to be on, man. First person to ever do it in the and with three minutes and thirty seven seconds left in the in the fourth quarter with LeBron James and Patrick Beverly and Anthony Davis all on the floor while your head coach was ejected from the game. 
and there was only there was exactly twenty three thousand people in the crowd, and this happened. It's a great list to be on. <laughs> it's a great list to be on. <laughs> great list. <laughs> um, and then the last two is probably old news this time. Kadarius Tony to the Chiefs. I think it's a big time move for the Chiefs. Kadarius Tony, when he's been healthy for the Giants, was absolutely electric. Throw him on that Chiefs offense. Let Andy Reid do whatever he wants with him. If the if the guy can stay healthy, that's a home run move for the for the Chiefs, no doubt about it. Yeah, and then Robert Quinn to the Eagles. Eagles play on grass. Robert Quinn's better on turf. So if the Eagles get home home field advantage, they overpaid for a guy that is old and making a ton of money that the Bears are paying most of the salary for. So they get off there. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think I think it's a fine move for them. It's a fine move. Any money and what fourth round? He's pick. good. It, yeah, I mean he's he's good. He's good not enough. great. Um, he hasn't really been that good this year. But yeah, I mean you can't play on grass. You play on fine. grass. Um, three three of the four teams in your division play on grass. Um, I mean, but if you he, if you got him to beat the Cowboys, he, I mean he, he's great in Dallas Stadium. He got. He, he got 18 and a half sacks last year playing at Soldier Field for half those games. Like, Where did the sacks come from, Soldier Field? I don't know. I mean, he got plenty at Soldier Field. How many? <laughs> I can I can, I can can look it up. <laughs> Let's fact check this real quick. I don't I, I didn't know he was bad on ground. You're the one that told me that. I'm, I'm running with your stats here. I'm not saying he. Uh, I never said he was bad. I said he's better on turf, but he's still he's still productive. If you're better on grass. turf, you're bad on grass. <laughs> that's how my mind. That's how my that, mind that's operates. Real, real uh, binary. <laughs> that's how my mind operates. But if if he had twelve sacks outside of the Soldier Field last yeah, year, yeah, he had he had eleven and a half at Soldier Field. At Soldier Field. Mm-hmm. So, he had more than half his sacks on grass. He only had two sacks in a dome last year, which isn't necessarily grass or not grass, but so it's better Enough talking grass. about grass. So you lied to me. Well, no, his per game stats were better on mm-hmm. turf, I believe, but it was it wasn't like giant. It was just like a little bit better. Hmm. Glad to be. I've been I've been going around again. This whole binary Robert, thing. I've been going There's around no telling everybody. Robert, I've been going around telling everybody Robert Quinn sucks on grass. <laughs> and there he was getting over half his sacks last year on grass. Well, also I think the year before when he only had four sacks, I think all of those were on turf, and that's probably when I told you that. So <laughs> they played two years for the Bears. Yeah, he was I awful his remember. first year. Yeah. Because I remember he had that big year for the Cowboys. That's Robert Quinn's career. Big year, terrible year. Big year, terrible year. Big year, terrible year. I, I hated to let him go. I loved him on the Cowboys, but we were only paying him like $1.36 million for a one-year deal. So, Honestly, he's he puts up good sack numbers, but like some of them are cheap sacks. Like I feel like more than some other edge rushers who put up big numbers. Like Not cheap. Like... His quality of pressure is not the same as some of the superstars. Like, you know, how yeah. a pressure stat, like when yeah. he's getting a stat for a pressure, it's not as disruptive as a lot of other guys. So he's not Micah Parsons. No, he's not. Is anybody Micah Parsons? 
got Lawrence a fly that I'm about to kill. All right. All right. So there is your recap of Trade Mania. Probably one of the craziest trade deadlines in the NFL ever. ever yeah. Uh, I mean, the trade deadline used to not matter. Like, it was just like so. <laughs> yeah. So we'll get into this week's slate now. And pretty lackluster for me. I had a hard time finding games here. I I went really chalk. I might have taken some rat lines here. But I kind of think we're far enough into the season that you are what your record says you are and you are what you are at this point. And that's for the most part. I have I have one, I guess, surprise in here, but for the most part, that's kind of what I went with. And starting out there's that football, Philadelphia versus Houston. Philadelphia going down to Houston. I mean, I, I like Houston. I like what they're doing. I, lo- I don't think Lovey Smith's the coach next year. I think Josh McCown is the coach of CJ Stroud or Bryce Young next year. Davis Mills is a fine, fine backup quarterback. I think Davis Mills might be a top five backup quarterback in the league. He's not a starting quarterback. He, he was, he's been good for you he hasn't been bad i mean the texans haven't been bad but they can't win philadelphia is rolling right now aj brown aj brown and devonta smith just take turns on having monster games every single week uh aj brown has more receiving yards than the titans have passing yards i believe if I saw that stat correctly, probably. maybe not the Titans, but there is a team. I can believe it. It's there is a Titans. team where, yeah. So I think I'm pretty sure AJ Smith has more receiving yards than the Titans have passing yards. Wait. And AJ Brown, Devonte Brown. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant to say, Devonte Brown. But no, AJ Brown has been a stud for him, and then Devonte Smith has still been very good, but it. It seems like it. It seems like one of them goes off every week, and then Miles Sanders has been very snakily incredible this season for him too, when he needs to be. And then Jalen Hurts is been awesome. They go out and add defensive talent, and Houston's not good. It's Thursday night football. As good as Philadelphia has been. I mean, they have to play Dallas again. And they're in a division where they only have a two-game lead. And they only have a one-game lead on the NFC because they have... Or I guess a a one-and-a-half-game lead because they own the tiebreaker um, against Minnesota. But, I mean, they're not coasting at all. The Phillies are just dominating the World Series. So, I mean, the entire city of Philadelphia is just on a high right now. I, I don't I, I don't see a scenario where Philadelphia doesn't cover this game at 14 points. They're already greasing up the light poles. I I went I I really really went down a, a long explanation to say the best team in football will beat the worst team in football by more than 14. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, it's easy as that. I mean, you, you have the worst record in football and you have the best record in football. 
It has 14 points. Give me the best team in football. But when I saw this matchup this week, I was like, oh, I'm just going to bet Eagles no matter what. And I saw it was 14. I was like, maybe I'll just pump the brakes a little, but I still kind of want to bet it. And I just ended up passing on it. But yeah, I mean, Houston has some good things going for him. Philadelphia is a wagon right now. Yeah. And until like the worst they've looked, I mean, they had that scare against Detroit, but they were up big in the Detroit game. The Detroit kind of started like inching back, but like they were never really in danger. Mm -hmm. The only time they were in danger was the Cowboys game where they were able to run it down their throat for their third possession in the second half to kind of close it away and have a nine minute drive. And they were able to get turnovers out of the backup quarterback in Dallas early in the game to even get the lead to begin with. So that matchup should be incredible in Dallas here in a couple of weeks. But I mean, outside of that, they really haven't been tested and they won't get tested all year. They have a fairly easy schedule. They should cruise to the one seed, but I mean, Jalen hurts. I feel like he's the type of guy that as much as he's done this season, I feel like, I feel like he thinks in his mind that Philly is not sold on him. I don't know how that front office feels, but going into this season, I, mean, I would have definitely, I would have definitely said like Jalen Hurts isn't your long term answer. But at this point, like, how can you not say he's the long term answer? If they don't win a playoff game, is he still the long term answer? So that's tough because you, I mean, you look at who they would match up against, and they're going to be the one seed. And you look at the wild card teams; it's going to be Dallas, New York. So, assuming they split with Dallas. Most likely it won't be Dallas. It'll be either be New York or a possibility of Seattle, San Francisco, Green Bay, like good teams that that can definitely beat you. Or a team like New York who is very well coached and it's hard to beat a team three times. And yeah. like they're they're not gonna have an ideal matchup in I guess <laughs> my, my, I would almost my, rather be the I would rather be the two seed this year than the one seed. Yeah, honestly, my my point really is like I think he should have that mindset. Like you look at Lamar Jackson right now. Lamar, well, are they gonna pay Lamar him? Jackson? He, Lamar Jackson like, grabbing grabbing that fan sign and that said we want to pay Lamar or whatever whatever it said and autographing it and holding it up right in front of the camera. And then giving it back to the fan, greatest thing ever. I love yeah. Lamar. I mean, they paid Joe Flacco. The fact that they're not paying Lamar is stupid. But if I'm Jalen I mean, Hurts, I'm looking at that and saying, like, it can happen to him. It can happen to me. No, I, 100%. And, I mean, Lamar was a unanimous MVP. Yeah. The playoff success isn't there, but it's like, Lamar is – and Lamar has continued to get better. Lamar hasn't regressed a single time throughout his career. I guess you could kind of say he regressed last year, but like they've really never done anything to put talent around him outside of. Nope. They, they, I mean, Mark Andrews is already there. And I mean, they draft a bunch of like five foot seven guys that run fast, but it's like, how many five foot seven guys can you have that run fast <laughs> before you're like, oh, we might need something else. Like, maybe we yeah. should go get a Chase Claypool. It's like, 
They were but, there were rumors that they were out there looking for someone today, but they didn't get nothing. Yeah. Except for a linebacker. Yeah, and a linebacker that could very well help them incredibly yeah. a lot. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about Philadelphia covering 14 points in the Thursday night football game against the Houston the Houston Colts. Um <laughs> moving on to the Indianapolis Texans. We have Indianapolis plus five and a half versus New England. I'm taking Indy in this game. Do you have this game? Not on my bet, bet slip, but I have a bet in for the other side. You have a bet in for the other side? So, I mean, I don't think New England's good. I don't think Indianapolis is good. I don't know what to think of Sam Ellinger. But five and a half points at home. Just give me the home team. Whereas a New England team who I don't think is all that great. I think New England loses by double digits to the Jets if they don't get an all-time miracle of a rough in the passer call on a pick six that you know it, is one of the worst calls of the season. So it, it's in Foxborough. We do this every week, couldn't. I just pulled it up on Google. You Googled it? Yep. Oh man, the Phillies are up seven nothing on the Astros right now. If I look this baseball. up, if I look this up and I'm wrong, it's no. Hold on, I was looking up the wrong week. I was about to lose my mind. Okay, yeah, this is in Foxborough. I was wrong. Rarely am I wrong when we have this debate. Well, because that was that was the reason why I bet it, and I ended up wiping it off, uh, just because I wasn't as confident as some of these other ones. But like, Bill Belichick has torn up unproven quarterbacks in Foxborough. Yeah, but, I mean, Jonathan Taylor's good. Uh, give me a knee plus five and a half. I mean, just give it to me. Are you going to give me that? Just give me that. Give me that. Yeah. Indy plus five have and it. a half. Will you give me that? Will you give me Indianapolis yeah. Colts plus five and a half? You're a I'll man. take you them if you will. You want. Thank you. All right, moving on. We'll go to Miami versus Chicago. You have Tua Tungabaloa, you have Tyreek Hill, you have Jalen Waddle, you have Mike Gusecki, you have Jeff Wilson Jr., you have Raheem Mostert, you have the Miami Dolphins, a wagon of an offense going up to Chi-Town, the Windy City, as they say, the Big Apple, the city of brotherly love, Chicago, and you got over 44 and a half here. Justin Fields might hit that by himself. Yeah. I mean, so I actually, I got this last night before uh, the Claypool trade, but I think it was, I guess it was right after the Roquan trade, but like, but I don't think it, uh, this line's going to move up. If you can get it now, get it. Like, yeah, I mean, Miami's going to put up 25, 30 and Chicago's yeah. going to put up some points the way Justin Fields has been playing. 44 seems like a Miami's, absolutely terrible. Miami's deep. Miami's defense top to bottom is the worst defense out of the Cowboys, Patriots, and the Dolphins. So the last three weeks, they're the worst defense out of the three. Not, they're not a bad defense by any means, but they're the worst I mean, out of those three. They've had some real issues stopping the pass this year. They've had some injuries in the back end, and like they, they've. they've I, I mean, I, I didn't say they were a good defense. 
I said they're not a bad defense, okay. but they're the worst out of the three. And Justin Fields has put up big numbers the past two weeks. So the fact that this is so incredibly low when they're playing in Sin City at Soldier Field, it's it's one of those things where I mean I I I had this on my board like this this was the rat line I didn't take. This was the number one rat line I didn't take because you look at Miami and you look at what they can do on offense. And it's like Tyreek Hill can have three touchdowns on three two-yard slant routes. Or Jalen Waddle can do the same thing. Or Raheem Mostert can take a a carry on the 47 to the house. And that's not even including how good Justin Fields has looked. And I'm the like, Bears offense 44? 60 points the last two weeks. And, and the Bears <laughs> just traded their two best defensive players on yeah. top of that. And it's like 44. Like, this, this was... This was the only rat line I couldn't take, and maybe I need to take it because I I, I can't believe that it's only forty four. I mean, I will say this: books are still missing. Like I'm hitting Justin Fields over passing yards almost every week. Like they're still not catching up on some Chicago stuff. Well, because Darnell Mooney receiving season, yards are still for the like first half of the way out of oh, whack. I mean, so I have I have Mooney and Fields in fantasy in the league one of the leagues we're in together. And they're getting projected like seven points a game. Yeah. They're and they're both just away. going Yeah. <laughs> they're both just going off for like twenty yeah. a game. And then yeah. like I get the notification like, Oh, you overachieved and I'm like, No, you, your algorithm sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> but so Miami Chicago, give me the over. If you can still get it at forty four Run in and get it because that's just yeah. a steal. I mean, thing. Miami going up to the Big Apple. I mean, you, you know what? Fuck Miami it. I'm, I'm putting spot. two units on it. Fuck it. I'll put two units on it. Let's go. Make it the shaving points lock of the week. <laughs> the shaving points lock of the week. Miami versus Chicago. I over love 44 it. points. You get can it. never talk me out of an under. You can always talk me into one, though. <laughs> All right. We'll go on to the Seattle Arizona game. I am. This is a game that I went against Chuck because you, if you watch all of football this year, you look at this game and you're like, Arizona's laying two and a half points to Seattle. Seattle's look very good. Geno Smith's look very good. Kenneth Walker is that dog boy. Their defense is looking incredible. Pete Carroll's looking like uh, a Pete Carroll. And you're like, Seattle's been the better team all year. Arizona's look like trash. Gotta take Seattle on the points here. Wrong. I'm taking Arizona. I think D-Hop coming back. D-Hop's been incredible for him the past two weeks. But the only thing that worries me is the Call of Duty just dropped. Just dropped over the weekend. Kyler, maybe we just... Maybe not watching film. They got some rookie corners on that on that Seattle team that are dogs. Yeah, and Kyler may may do a little doot to do and screw this up, but I don't know. I mean, D Hop's looked incredible since coming back. They don't have a running game. James Conner is James Conner last year infuriated me. He's not good. and. He, he stole. He stole so many touchdowns from 
for my dudes last year. I was high on the Cardinals last year. I started out hot. I looked like a genius. But in fantasy, I was getting absolutely destroyed by James <laughs> Conner one-yard touchdowns. And somehow, some way, they decided they were going to stick with James Conner over Edmonds, who Edmonds got him to the one-yard line every time, and Conner got the touchdowns. Like, I don't know why they didn't go out and get Edmonds today. Like, he was he was the running back that got all the production for us. Like, Yeah, I was surprised they let him walk. Like, he was the best running back on the roster. Yeah, uh, you, know, you know Benjamin's look, been looking all right for him, but... I don't know. I, I, I think Arizona gets it done here. I think two and a half. I still think Seattle's good. I still think Seattle can be a very much contender in that division. But I I I, I think I think Arizona gets it done here. You got Seattle money line. Yeah, and you're right. This very well could be a rack. It makes no sense. But Geno Smith for MVP. Pete Carroll versus Cliff Kingsbury. I'm taking Geno Pete. Smith. Geno Smith looks good. Mm-hmm. Like I, th- this Arizona defense has been starting to, to heat will, up some. I will say uh, this: Cliff Kingsbury is a 500 head coach, and he's four games below 500 right now in his NFL career. So he's got to get back to 500 somehow. And he's got he's gonna start this week, boy. I don't know. Give me the plus money on Seattle. I mean, if, I if I Seattle mean, I, is I, I, favored, I I'd think, probably stay away. But on plus money, I just think that's. They've looked too I think good that's to a not take. Bet. I think it's a solid bet, but I, I, I think Arizona's. I think Arizona's play here. Um, moving on. Let's see what do we got here. I don't think we have anything else, so we Minnesota will go Washington. We both got. Okay, we'll go to Minnesota Washington. You have the football commanders at plus three and a half. Gross. I have over 43, maybe even grosser. TJ Hawkinson is going to get 43 points by himself in this game. <laughs> Good analysis. I like it. Maybe he will. But this is not as much a play on Washington. It's just a play against the Vikings because I'm, I'm putting it down. Vikings are frauds. Kirk Cousins revenge game, though. Vikings are frauds. Kirk Cousins like revenge game. I like that. So you see what I did there? <laughs> I like I like what you did there. I like that. I like that. Um <laughs> No, so I think the Vikings might be frauds, or I I don't think that they might, I think the Vikings are frauds. But Washington's not good. Hey, Washington made Taylor Heineke a quarterback than they were with wins because he has I don't think they're better. Blitz comes at him. I don't think they're better. I think Taylor Heineke just has some sort of sixth sense to just like be good in garbage time. Taylor Heineke's been awful. That's all it is. Backdoor cover. And I think they'll keep it closer than a backdoor cover for a lot of the game. That defensive line is still filthy. I don't and know. Name me one quarterback who is more afraid of getting hit before he's been hit than Kirk Cousins. Peyton Manning. Yeah, Peyton just didn't get hit though. But 
he would he was quick to throw that ball away if he yeah. was about to. But, I mean, uh, the way like Kirk Cousins is gonna he's gonna take what you give him all game until he can't anymore, and then he makes mistakes. And I just think that's what they do. And he's gonna be great in that underneath area. You know, while Kirk Cousins is taking what they give him, he's gonna get up a lot of yards on that. But yeah, you know who's been looking really good for the Minnesota Football Vikings? Justin Jefferson. Obviously, but <laughs> really good. Like, was once a top five player in the league, probably, who kind of got forgotten about, who's had a quietly. Yeah, he's been good this year. Yeah. I, mean, I, didn't, not, I didn't know. I didn't know that he had to be honest, but I'm not shocked. He's a good player and he's playing in more of his own scheme. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that like he's gonna be the reason why they cover this game. I just, I don't, know, I just don't feel like anybody's talking about it. And every time I watch yeah. the Vikings, he's just an absolute lockdown corner. Which, I mean, I feel like he kind of disappeared for the past two and a half years since yeah. he's been on the Vikings. He's been average, I guess, but like he's been incredible this season. Or I don't know, I haven't looked at the stats. Yeah. I don't actually know, but from I've watched maybe four full Vikings games and bits and pieces here and there out of the rest. But like every time I turn on the, every time I turn on the Vikings game, he's making a play. Ed Donatello's the Vikings D coordinator. He was the Bears defensive back coach back when they had Vic Fangio at DC. And one thing that they did that him and Fangio did a great job of was finding what their defensive backs excelled at and putting them in those positions. Not asking them to do things that they weren't good at, but asking them to focus on things that they were really good at. So, like, I bet you that has a lot to do with how Peterson's coming around, like, back on his career. But if this number was three, I wouldn't bet it. But three and a half, I like that. Yeah, and I mean, I'm taking the over here. I think... Like you said, Taylor Haneke has that ability to cover late. I think Washington can score 14 points in garbage time. So that means they don't, they need to have three to seven points going into garbage time. I think Minnesota can score every bit of 24. So um, I'm, I'm just betting that Washington gets some garbage time points here and that Minnesota can score early and often. I like the weapons Minnesota have. I, I got over 43 here. And then I mean Justin Jefferson's gonna shred that man defense. They play a lot of a lot of man. Yeah. So talk about talk about this New York game versus Buffalo because I, I really wanted to take it. So I mean Zach Wilson sucks. Uh, this is not a bet on Zach Wilson. This is a bet on the fact that the New York football giants are a quality football roster. And 14-point spreads should be saved for the Texans and the Bears here. Like, if the Bears are against Buffalo, yeah, they should probably be 14-point dogs right now until Justin Fields proves a little more. But the Jets, that, that whole roster is pretty dang talented, aside from Zach Wilson. And maybe he blows up and sucks this game, but I think that might still end in them losing by 10, 12, 13. Like, they're not a bad enough team 
for me to think that Buffalo should be favored by 14. Like last week, and part of this is, is honestly the fact that I had Green Bay plus where, where, like 12 last week, and I took it off my card last minute. And I was just like, why did I do that? I could have had another win in that terrible, terrible card. Yeah, but I mean, Green Bay shouldn't have covered that game. They, they got a lucky cover at the end. But, I mean, the Jets here, I mean, Garrett Wilson looked good last week. Yeah. Garrett Wilson's There's looked good all year. Roster. Garrett Wilson can make plays for you. Losing Brees Hall sucks. We'll see what James Robinson can do in that offense. But, I mean, Zach Wilson's not good. And then you got Elijah Moore there. And then you have Garrett Wilson. You have Corey, Corey Davis. Davis. Uh, you, you, have, you have playmakers on that team. So, I mean, if Zach Wilson can just show a couple of flashes, even if he's bad all game, he can show a couple of flashes and and get this number. I I wanted to take Buffalo so bad in this spot, but it's like this this isn't a game where Buffalo has to go out there and like flex their nuts. Like yeah. Buffalo can go out there and comfortably win this game by like twelve points. Yeah, and you'll you'll watch the game and it'll feel like Buffalo won by fifty and they only won by twelve. Yeah, so that's that's why I didn't take Buffalo here. But I, I don't feel good enough in that uh, regard to take the Jets either. So I didn't bet it. Yeah. I mean, I just – that roster is just too talented to be a 14-point dog. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and losing Lachavera Tucker kind of hurts. It, I mean, if they weren't weak on the O-line right now, I would feel a little bit better with James Robinson coming in. But, I mean, Brees Hall looks so good for them. And, I mean – Whenever he went out, they they haven't looked the same in that in that second half uh, last week, and then against New England this past week. But I mean, also they they should have beat New England this past week if it wasn't for an all time bad ref in the passer call. I, I fully believe they would have beat New England. So maybe we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think I think that might this be the play. But I don't know nervous about on here but it's also but, one that like just logically it's like 14 point dog not the worst team in the nfl take the dog like yeah no i agree i agree 100 then let's go on to i have atlanta versus the los angeles chargers atlanta plus three and a half this game los angeles chargers fans Charger fan, I'm talking to you, Charger fan, here. I'm sorry. You should be good. You're not good. I, I feel like we have this conversation every year, Charger fan. You you could be good. You should be good. You have all the tools to be good. And, and you're not good. And Atlanta... My crazy ex-girlfriend. I don't I don't know. I think I love her again. <laughs> Falling back in love with the dirty birds. It was just I, on the rocks a week ago. That's how that's how toxic relationships work, Quentin. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I gotta take Atlanta here. That I mean they, they don't even they don't even look necessarily good, but they just 
Something about them, man. They, ball control, they just, man. They just play they ball just control get it done. all game, and it's hard to like get a big they lead. Keep, they just keep that. getting it done. So yeah, give me Atlanta plus three and a half here, man. Give me the dirty birds. Back on my bullshit. Back <laughs> on my bullshit. And then we'll go to your Green Bay versus Detroit Lions pick. The pick that I didn't make. The pick that I've been making all year that I didn't make. Green Bay on a four-game losing streak, three-game losing streak. Four. Four-game losing streak going into Detroit. I want Detroit to win this game so badly. What do you got? If it wasn't a four-game losing streak, if Green Bay like pulled out one of those in there, I would be on Detroit money line. But Green Bay's going to end this at some point. And I uh, but. I think Detroit's going to keep it close in Detroit, Rock City. I'm yeah. a little nervous after I saw I put these together before seeing the Hawkinson trade. That makes me a little nervous. It's just weird. It, it's it just weird. weird and gives me a weird like feeling about this game now. But Detroit's hung tough with everybody. I mean, as long as the locker room hasn't said, like, what the fuck is going on? We're out of this because of stuff like that. Something like the, the Hawkinson trade, I'm still pretty confident in this pick. They're going to be able to run the ball fine. I mean, they're going to run the ball game. Green Bay hasn't proven that they have no interest in stopping the run. They've proven they have, they have no, no interest in stopping the run. They have no interest in running the ball either. Yeah. Which makes them. Or trading for a receiver. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah. They, they, they wanted Claypool. Oh, yeah. It's a little sweeter for the Bears. Supposedly they want to play pool, but it's like you're you're actually competing this year, even though like your record doesn't show it. You still have Aaron Rodgers, and it's yeah. like, how do you get outbid by a division rival who's building for the future when your window is now? Your window is not the future. You, you drafted a quarterback in the first round three years ago who obviously is dog shit. You have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time that you just refuse to help. He hates it there. You hate that he hates it there. You try to do what you can. You do nothing for him. You just pay him an exorbitant amount of money and then say, does that fix things? And he's like, nope, but like I'll take your money. And that that's that's what's going on and you have two really good running backs like your 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 backfield is probably top five in talent and you give them 14 carries combined a game and you don't throw to them and you throw to guys like romeo dobbs who yeah uh alan lazard Rob Tanyan, like no offense to Rob Tanyan, but like, what are you doing? And then you don't go, then you go out and get out bid by the Bears, who are like, "Hey man, we got a rookie quarterback. Like, we ain't trying to do shit this year, but like, hey, yeah, next year, buddy, we got it. We got this thing going." And it's like, your Super Bowl aspirations, like, are here and now. Like, there is no future in Green Bay. It is now. Or never. And you refuse to go get him help. You're on a four-game losing, three-game losing streak, whatever it is. And you're just like, nah, 
we'll just we'll just keep it going. We got Aaron Rodgers. He said he said relax a couple of weeks ago. He said everything would be fine. We'll we'll just go out there and run the table. You ain't running the table with this team. I'll tell you that much. Your defense, which you are banking on to be top five in the league, doesn't look elite whatsoever. It looks better than league average, which isn't saying a whole lot. And you refuse to do anything to to help your aging quarterback who is a back-to-back MVP winner. It's the most shot. It's I love it so much. I, I love I love the Packers' misery. I hate the Packers. I hate the Packers probably more than I like the Cowboys sometimes. Like I fucking hate the Packers, and I I love this so much. The fact that they're doing nothing for Aaron Rodgers. The fact that I can hate Aaron Rodgers with the power of a thousand sons and still feel bad for him proves to me how much the Packers have just fucked this up brings me so much joy. And I'm sure as a Packers fan, you can agree with, or as a bears fan, you can agree with me on that. Yeah. It's uh, it's been beautiful this year, man. Bears aren't even it's awesome. It's beautiful. It's just been yeah. like, my biggest fear is that the Packers somehow make the playoffs and it's the Packers coming to Dallas in the NFC championship game. And if that happens, I may just have to kill myself. <laughs> well, don't do that. It'll be, it'll be clean. <laughs> well, I hope but that doesn't happen then. <laughs> Detroit, Detroit plus three and a half. Lock it in. Last bet of the week. Uh, Tennessee plus 12 and a half versus Kansas City. Tennessee's been a wagon. Uh, number three team right now in the AFC. Very quietly started out. Rocky start. All, they, all they've done since then is haven't lost a single time. Don't matter. Malik Willis, Ryan Tannehill. It's Tractor Cito season, baby. Tractor Cito, Derek Henry doing his thing. Tennessee always... Always somehow finds a way to play Kansas City close in the regular season, if not come out and beat them. 12 and a half points here is way too much for Derrick Henry and the boys. Give me Tennessee plus 12 and a half. I think Kansas City can win this game. I think Kansas City will win this game. But 12 and a half is way too many points for the third best team in the AFC right now. So, uh, yeah, yeah, give me Tennessee here. You have any thoughts on that? So I, I thought a lot about this game because part of me really liked KC coming off the bye. But another part of me says, what if Tennessee scores first? But that brings up my main question. What if Kansas City scores first? Can Tennessee keep a game close if they don't score first? What if neither one of them score first? Just a tie. Zero, zero. I cover. There you go. So, 66% of the scenarios you just laid out, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm in good shape. <laughs> That's one way to look at it. <laughs> I feel pretty good about my odds there. I mean, ultimately, I'm not confident enough to take Kansas City because ten- you're right. Tennessee plays everybody tough. They they know how to play a close game, a good game, and they're just they're just tough as nails, man. Brave so Derek has that team like molded after him. When Derrick Henry gets rolling, that Tennessee team's so hard to beat. Well, and like 
if Malik Willis is playing, like that run game gets infinitely harder to defend because you're having to pull another guy off of Henry onto Willis, and that, then you're just taking Tractor CEO as one less person to run over, you know? That's true. But then, flip side, think how good Kadarius Tony could possibly be. Yeah. I mean, dude's fast. Like, when you look at Kadarius Tony for his, what, six games healthy in his one-and-a-half-year career in New York, he was incredible. Like, so good with Daniel Jones. Yeah. And it's like, if he gives gives Kansas City six healthy games, my lord. (laughs) Think how good they'll be? be real good <laughs> real good but yeah i'm taking tennessee plus 12 and a half here check your seat season derrick henry uh blake willis ron Tannehill. don't really care check your seat baby all right you want to get some college yeah so quick thing on college will levis is absolutely terrible and if you're listening to this and you're a mock draft expert if you have will levis and if you have will levis in your first round you're an idiot if you have will levis in your top 10 you're a fucking moron but we're not talking about will levis we're talking about college football here i got two plays this week i'm going to start off with neither one of those i'm going to start off with texas tech versus tcu all right tcu fans we've had our back and forth here you, I, I've said some mean things about you. I've said some nice things about you. You won't sell tickets to this game because you're scared that Texas Tech Red Raiders are going to fill out your high school stadium. And that's understandable. You don't have a whole lot of seats to sell. Um, Texas Tech fans are very passionate fan base, and we're going to come down there to your to your ivory towers, and we're gonna we're gonna chug beers and. Uh, make you spill all your wine and your your fifty thousand dollars a year tuition, and you're gonna be clutching your pearls, being like, "Oh man, what are, what are these West Texas guys doing down here, uh, invading our space?" Like, yeah, it sucks. And you're a nine point favorite this weekend. You're undefeated in the Big Twelve. You're gonna lose this week. Texas Tech's gonna come down to Fort Worth and beat the fucking dog shit out of you. Like, ain't no ifs ands or buts about it. I mean, we have. We have quite possibly the best pass rusher in the in college football right now. Your your little your little quarterback that's been out there, Max Duggan out there, just slinging the rock like nah, Quentin Johnson nah. We're gonna come down there and break the brakes off you. We just got embarrassed by Baylor, and if you think we're about to get embarrassed by two private schools in back to back weeks, you're out of your freaking mind. Texas Tech's gonna beat the dog shit out of TCU this weekend. And I'm not betting it solely because I just want to enjoy the ass whipping and not have to worry about a bet. So that's my first non-bet. I support it. (laughs) All right. So you got Baylor versus Oklahoma. I, I actually almost bet this game, but spread is three and a half points. Tell me. Tell me what you got, and then I'll 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 give my two cents. Yeah, this is really just following the numbers. I mean, Oklahoma's underperformed this year. Baylor's still pretty solid team. 
uh, went to Lubbock last week and just don't want to talk about it. But three and a half actually makes me a little more nervous in college than it does. Like NFL, I love three and a half, betting the dog at three and a half. But college, it does make me a little more nervous just because the, the, the numbers tend to be a bit bigger in college, I've noticed. But ultimately, I mean, I think this is a winnable game for Baylor, even being in Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma is just a susceptible team this year and the numbers like it. So I like it. Not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corso would say. Oklahoma's actually turned it around and look quite nice here lately. And they're probably going to finish an eight and three ball team. And Baylor's not good. I don't know what happened in the Texas Tech game this past week. Baylor's not a very good team. Oklahoma is actually a pretty good football team that just somehow just got their head shoved up their ass for a couple of weeks. I love Oklahoma in this spot. Um, I, I was hoping that Baylor would somehow end up being the favorite because I was going to hammer Oklahoma. I think something crazy can happen and Baylor can make it close at the end. That's why I didn't bet it. But I think Oklahoma absolutely destroys Baylor in this game. Um, Baylor quite possibly is coming off their biggest one of the season against uh, a rebuilding Texas Tech, Joey McGuire, first-year team. So, I don't know. Uh, Oklahoma's very yeah. good, though. Uh, Oklahoma's going to finish the season 8-3. and three. Like, I mean, you tend to have a better reasoning on this, so like, I am trust you there. I can say you're probably right. But the numbers have been pretty good for me this year. Like, uh, yeah. I think I'm – Especially lately, I've been doing pretty dang well on these college bets. But usually when you, you take that hard of a turn on one of my picks, you're usually right. So keep that in mind if you're following this one. <laughs> All right. And then we'll go to your Clemson-Notre Dame. Uh, this is another game I didn't bet. I'm not going to talk about his bet. He, he bet the total here. I'm going to talk about Notre Dame. Notre Dame. We got to have a little chat here. Had a bad season, Notre Dame. You and your gold helmets up there in Indiana. It's been a bad season. Let our boy Chris Watt on. You got to get those boys coached up. Clemson's a fraud. And if you don't beat them, nobody will. And they're going to get into the college football playoff and ruin what could be the greatest college football playoff we've had since the college football playoff started. Please, for the love of God, Notre Dame. Whatever, whatever God you Catholics pray to, we need Notre Dame to win this game. That's all I'm going to say. But what do you got on it? I got over 44 and a half. I just, before I even looked at the numbers on this one, I liked it. Just because when you have two teams this talented going head to head, I love an over in college. I, I just, yeah. there's too much talent on the field to go under 44 in my mind. I, I love every over in college, so... I can't argue with you there. All right. So this one, probably one of the grossest things I've ever seen. We have Iowa versus Purdue. We're in week 10 of college football and Quentin's betting Iowa versus Purdue. And he's taking a total of big 10 teams in early November. And tell me what you got here. Both these teams have hit the over in over half their games. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to think they'll stop now. It's just yeah. the, the numbers were pretty clear on this one that 
Iowa is getting killed on their on their totals because of the first few weeks of the season, which were god awful. But it's driven down their numbers, and they've been outperforming the numbers that the books have been giving them for the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I Big Ten overs outside of like Ohio State. I tend to avoid for the most part, especially once you start getting into November. But 41 and a half is so low for college football. So I use like, four different numbers on these. I use PFF's probability, my own probability, and then uh, the home team's cover rate and the road team's cover rate. All four like it. Like I, I was looking yeah. for any reason to not take this. And I was like, well, there's only so many that all four like. Understandable. And then... Last game, we have Maryland versus Wisconsin. Wisconsin is looking like they're kind of getting that dead cat bounce after they're firing their coach or mutually parting ways because they don't, Wisconsin doesn't fire coaches, supposedly. Um, Maryland with little Talia. Talia's look good, not great. I mean, he could be like a little sneaky, like second, third round pick. That might turn around a, a middling NFL team that can't quite be bad enough to pick early, but is good enough to like take a shot on a guy like a Jalen Hurt style. Like Talia's looking look pretty good for Maryland. That offense is kind of rolling a little bit, but what you got in this game? I got Maryland covering five and a half points. I mean, yeah. this this is a bet on Talia. Yeah, I, I mean, Wisconsin. He's going to ball would, out Wisconsin. I don't think they're a world beater. I think they're susceptible, and Maryland's going to keep it close. Yeah, I would I would love this before Wisconsin fired their coach. But uh, they're playing for that uh, Jim, Jeff, Jim Leonard, Jeff Leonard, Jim Leonard, Jim, Jim Leonard, Leonard, I think. They're playing for this guy. They want him to, they want him to say that coach there. And so that's the only thing that – deters me a little bit from this game, but I, I do like Maryland a lot in this game. So I'll, this I'll is like the year of Tago Bailoa. Right, Tago Bailoa. Hey, two of my going to sell Super Bowl. This is the year of the, the Tago Bailoa. Also, also I'm, I'm, I'm so worked up over mock drafts. Like we, we may just have to do a way too early mock draft next week and put like no research into it. And it's just come with like 16 or I'll come with 16, you come with 15, since there's only 31 picks in the first round next year since Miami lost theirs. But we'll, we'll just come do, with our 31. Do we want to get a guest on? Uh, I, I can probably get a, a, a scout Let's get on. Michael Rockman over here. Uh, we, we can work but, on it. Well, yeah, I, I need something. I, I need to talk to somebody about this, this atrocity, because I, I just can't stop thinking about Will Levis getting projected in the first round. He, he's 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 terrible he's 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 so bad but we'll move on to my two college picks of the week i only have two college picks i don't really love the slate this week but starting out lsu night game baton rouge louisiana bama's coming down bama hasn't looked great on the road this year i didn't think lsu was very good at the beginning of the season all they do is keep winning ball games they they lost in a last second play 
to Florida State, and Florida State looked like they were going to be a pretty frisky team to begin the year. If if they if they replayed that game today, LSU beats Florida State by twenty five points, and their only other losses to Tennessee, who's the number one team in the country right now, and the college football playoff rankings that just dropped about six hours ago. LSU is a good team. Thirteen and a half points at home, Death Valley going to be rocking. LSU got LSU just got put number nine in the rankings, which if you've been following college football this year from start to finish or start to now, the fact that they're nine in the college football playoff rankings right now says a lot. It says that they're very well respected and they could be Bama this week. They could be a two loss team that sneaked their way up to about six, seven, five-ish range and Clemson lose a game and somebody else loses here and there. They they might fuck around and, and find themselves in that college football playoff with, with out even having to think about playing in the SEC championship game. And yeah, Brian Kelly's got this team rolling. I said it in the offseason. I don't think I, I don't think Brian Kelly's a good guy. I think he's kind of a piece of shit. But Duke could coach his ass off. I mean, he he made Notre Dame compete in a world of Nick Saban and Kirby Smarts and all these other high profile coaches with insane academic standards. And a program that, as much as Notre Dame fans don't want to admit, doesn't really have the impact nationwide that they think they do. Yeah, I'm sure they still own the Midwest, but, like, you go try to grab a kid out of Louisiana and, like, hey, come to Notre Dame. You ha- If you come, though, you have to graduate, like, it, you're – you're contractually obligated to graduate. Like, yeah, I know you go to LSU. I know you go to Florida. I know you can go make a lot more money at LSU or at uh, Georgia or Alabama. But it's like, yeah, but you come to Notre Dame and wear a gold helmet like Rudy was here. Like 17, 18-year-old kids, like they don't give a shit about that. And Brian Kelly was still getting kids there, which in today's world is crazy. And he's got this LSU team turned around. I I love LSU in the spot. Plus 13 and a half Death Valley against Bama. Um, I think, I still think Bama's a very good team, but they should have lost Texas on the road. They lost Tennessee on the road and they should have lost A&M. LSU is better than A&M. LSU is better than Texas. And they're, they're not nowhere near as good as Tennessee who Bama actually lost to. But they're much better than the other two teams that Bama should have most definitely lost on the road to. And they're in Death Valley at night. So, yeah, give me LSU here, plus 13 and a half. Next game, Tennessee Volunteers, the number one team in the nation in the first college football playoff rankings of 2022. This team reminds me so much of the 2019 LSU Tigers. Jalen Hyatt is the reincarnation of Jamar Chase. Um, Hendon Hooker is the reincarnation of Joe Burrow. Like, there's so many similarities between these two teams. 
And this Tennessee already had their win against Alabama, but it was at home. They had their win against Florida. It was at home. LSU had their win against Texas early, and it was like down to the wire. Then they go on to beat Kentucky a few weeks later. It was like, this team might be good. But when you really knew that LSU team was legit was when they went to Tuscaloosa, I think around the same time in 2019, late October, early November, they were eight-point underdogs going to Tuscaloosa, to a Tungvaloa, all the dudes, you know the names, they're in the NFL. Joe Burrow and the boys go out there and put it on them. And I think that's what this Tennessee team does here. I I really want to take the money line here, but just give me Tennessee plus eight and a half. They're a wagon right now. They can't be stopped. Josh Heupel has got this team absolutely rolling. Jalen Hyatt, might be the best receiver in the nation, and I don't think he can go in the draft this year. Outside of Marvin Harrison yeah. Jr., Jen Hyatt can be drafted. I saw I saw uh, someone talking about the Bears maybe taking him after getting Claypool now because he'd okay. be, he now would be a fit. I could be well, wrong. I just I, 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 I saw that. I I I'm gonna have an even bigger issue with mock drafters. The fact that Jalen Hyatt isn't going in the first round in these mocks. I thought he was a sophomore. I, I I don't I don't do a whole lot of studying on Tennessee football. Volunteer fans, I'm sorry. Big Orange Nation, whatever you call yourselves. Rocket Top, Country Roads, all that shit. Um, but yeah, if hey. Jalen Hyatt is draft eligible, he should be the number one receiver off the board. Dude's incredible. I love Tennessee plus eight and a half. The only reason I took it off my board was because my book said it was seven now, which I'm just going to go find some place that can give me eight and a half now and do that. And I'm going to add it to my board because I I love it. And I just, I took this eight and a half everywhere, except for the site I use. Yeah. The site I use, I took, I, I, I bet this game already. I, I took eight and a half and I sprinkled the money line. And I usually wait until the day of to bet. And if it's not where I like it, I just don't bet it. I just keep my bet on Tuesday on my public record. But yeah, I, that, that, that was one I, I took because I think I, I think you'll be lucky to find Tennessee plus six and a half come Saturday. Yeah. I, I don't know why my book's at seven because every place else has an eight and a half right now. It's bizarre, but. Either way, don't yeah, know. I love Tennessee here and Hendon Hooker talking about a guy that is making a meteoric surge right now, like Joe Burrow did. This guy's going to be a top ten draft pick. He is eight months older than Joe Burrow was at this point in Joe Burrow's football career, and he does everything that Joe Burrow does. Probably runs the ball a little bit better, but his accuracy, his field vision. And his improvement year year to year has far outweighed Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was bad the year before he broke out. Hinton Hooker was decent to good last year. Like, projected third to fourth round pick. Joe Burrow was projected undrafted going into his last year at LSU. And Hinton Hooker, it, his stats, everything that he's putting up are 
on pace to beat Joe Burrow in every single category, this kid's going to go top 10, top three. He's going to be right up there with C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. I guarantee it. I hope so. I hope they win this game. So I'm probably going to sprinkle the money line too. Yeah, I mean, th- this is one of those teams where if you watch 2019 college football and you're like, why did I wait so long to jump on the on the LSU wagon to start betting on them? Don't make that same mistake with Tennessee. Now's the time. Jump on. This is the last time you're going to be able to get Tennessee at a spot like this because they win this game and they're going to be five-point favorites at minimum for the rematch against Alabama and then for the college football playoff, they may never be less than, or they may never be more than six point favorites going into there. And it's just like, you never know what you're going to get. So yeah, this is, this is the last time you're going to get Tennessee in a spot like this. So take it because they're that good. Heard it here first. And I, Georgia, I, I still think Georgia's incredible. I think Georgia, I think Georgia still makes the playoff. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I think Georgia's a very good team. Georgia blew my cover by one and a half points last week, so I'm pissed at them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Brock Bauer is still very good. Uh I mean they got good receivers on that team. Defense is still incredible. But I mean, college football is one of those things like when a team when a team is just special and you can see that they're special magic happens for them you look at the 2019 lsu team it was just like nothing could go wrong that's that's the same feeling i'm getting from this tennessee team right now but that's all i got two plays college football and then my unofficial tech going down to fort worth and beating shit out of those purple ass horn frogs and the number one pass rusher in the nation right now having a day over there. Let's get it. Let's get it. All right. Thank you all for listening. If you're still listening, comment below and let us know what you think. Who's your lock of the week, where we got it right, where we got it wrong. And we will see y'all next week. And whatever you do, don't sleep on the one the one win lions boys bye 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 bye